You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. My name is Steve Burns. What I would call my day job is arts and entertainment editor at the Detroit Free Press. The reason I'm talking to you now is I'm wearing a second hat these days, which is as the executive director of the new Freak Film Festival, which is kicking off this weekend. So how did the Freak Film Festival come about? It really came about from some brainstorming and a handful of people getting engaged by the idea of doing something around the time when there were a whole bunch of documentaries related to Detroit that were getting a lot of attention around town and, and of course, nationally as well. I'm referring to about two years ago when Searching for Sugar Man came out and a documentary about the Detroit Fire Department called Burn. Of course, there was Detropia, which was kind of a bigger picture look at Detroit and how it fit into the, the world economic climate, I guess, for lack of a better world. And so a few of us were brainstorming, saying, why isn't anybody lassoing all this activity together? And initially, we thought we were going to do it sooner. It turned out that that didn't work out. So it was kind of a long process to convince people at the Free Press and the Detroit Media Partnership, which is our business arm, that this was worthwhile doing. So really, it was kind of like a grassroots effort among a few, a handful of people in the Free Press and the DMP that decided, let's let's take this on. And I was one of them. Now, this is solely documentary films? That is our focus right now. We have batted around the idea of maybe showing one dramatic film or maybe two, but it ended up that that didn't work out this year. So this year, indeed, our entire uh, slate is all documentaries, and all of them have either strong connections to Detroit or Michigan, and in a couple of cases, I guess I would say the connections are a little more tangential but still real, but most of them have really strong connections to this this region. So when you sat down to kind of collect all these films together or put out the call for entries or however it was you did this, did you find that you had enough at this time? We did, kind of as the way our our business arm wanted us to do this. They did not want us to try to start out and recreate Sundance or or Toronto or any of those really, really big film festivals. We were specifically told, let's shoot for in the range of 12 to 15 films the first year and make sure that this isn't too much for us to take on and we don't overshoot ourselves. So it ended up we have, you know, we have 12 programs plus a few extras, um, you know, several shorts as well. So we we did have enough. There were a few films that maybe we considered strongly that in the end we didn't have the time slots or they didn't quite make our mix. There were a couple of films, you know, that maybe we would have wanted, but we didn't fit in with the business, uh, you know, the business plans of those films. So we we essentially did exactly, very closely, exactly to what we were projected to do. We certainly hope that in upcoming years, and that is our plan already to have upcoming years, that this thing could build and grow bigger. So where are the films being shown this year? Two places. The first night is at the Fillmore Detroit, which a lot of people still remember as the State Theater. That's the, you know, it's a, many people know it for concerts nowadays, but it was actually built in the 20s as a film theater right across from Comerica Park. And then most of our screenings are at the Detroit Film Theater at the Detroit Institute of Arts, which is, of course, has a national reputation for booking a lot of, you know, indie, foreign documentaries, you know, stuff that kind of slides under the mainstream radar but with a very high quality. So those are our two venues this year. So they're both Woodward places then. Exactly. People can just take the light rail back and forth. 
we hope that will definitely be the in a few years. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. Wow. You know, I'm not. I'm just thinking you may be the first one that really made that connection for me. But yes, if we're around in five or ten years, that would be a beautiful thing to be see people sliding back and forth from those types of venues on a system like that. I don't think I'd really thought of it that way. Tell me a little bit more about the films. I mean, we have talked on this show specifically about Detropia and some of the let's say, dystopian type of uh, films that are being shot about Detroit. Lay off Detroit. Them people is living in Mad Max times. What will they get if they make the journey? First of all, I mentioned a few of those films that were, you know, really hot out um, a couple of years ago when we first started thinking about this. We kind of um, consciously avoided those, not for any disrespect to those films, but we thought they had kind of played out. And if we would have had a festival that was Sugar Man and Detropia and Burn, people would go, hmm, didn't, didn't I see all of this um, a few years ago? We have a real mix. Do I think there's, you know, one of our centerpieces is a film that was actually produced by one of the photographer videographers at the Free Press, a very talented man named Brian Kaufman. And that's um, probably the, seems like the movie that's drawing the most attention. It's called Packard, The Last Shift. Brian has been shooting film over there for off and on for four years and has a really wonderful cinematic eye. That's our opening night at the Fillmore um, world premiere of Packard, The Last Shift. So you do see a little bit of that, some of that stuff. You know, I think that's, of course, derisively called rune porn, but the film is much, much more than that. It digs into the history, including, you know, the people that worked there in the 40s and 50s. It talks about the techno parties that occurred there in the 90s with people like Richie Houghton, and in fact, we have some Richie Houghton music in the movie, um, and it brings it all the way up to um, some of the more recent events where it looks like there's going to be a new owner. I think that they were doing a few small tweaks to the film over the weekend, actually, to make sure it captures some tail-end news events. So in some ways, I think Packard might fit into a little bit of what you're talking about there, but a wide variety of other things in the festival. To give you an example, that would be on the opposite end that might fit your guys' audience. Um, we are showing the documentary Corman's World, which is, of course, about the uh, Detroit-born producer, director, Roger Corman, who's famed for his ability to spit movies out like, you know, the Henry Ford assembly line on the cheap, often with a lot of schlock and over-the-top uh, kind of antics, but um, very well-beloved in Hollywood. Mainly one of the reasons being he's uh, brought so many big names into the business, you know, whether it be Robert De Niro or Martin Scorsese or um, Peter Bogdanovich. Many of those people started working for Corman or did so very in their early careers, and Jack Nicholson as well. So that's a really fun, kind of in some ways goofy movie about a really super interesting Detroit-born person. Packard's on a very different spectrum. One other movie that I'll mention that is not like either of those, something we unearthed with the help of a guy who reached out to us when we first announced the festival. It's called Do You Think a Job is the Answer? This thing originally aired, I think, just, just short of 70 minutes on public television in 1969. And other than the best we can tell, it's only been screened one time since then. So it's pretty much been sh sitting on shelves for the better part of 45 years. And it takes a look at kind of the economic, racial, social unrest in Detroit after the 67 riots. I found it, and so did everybody else. I think we probably had eight or nine people look at it before we, we booked it. Just utterly fascinating um, time capsule of Detroit at that time. I know a lot of those dystopian movies or Detroit look back films, um, they tend to use a lot of the same footage. You know, you can see it on YouTube, whether it's 
stuff when Detroit was going for the Olympics or other kind of community type, I guess I should say civic type films. This thing just, it, I hadn't seen any of it. You know, everything from, you know, a real tense moment where some workers who are losing their right to bust to their jobs are really upset about it to some more lighthearted stuff like live celebrations of the Tigers winning the World Series, um, more the fans, or Pershing High School talent show, which is kind of a mix of some late-era temptations, very influenced by, um, you know, the this, this spunky Motown sound, big dance numbers, and it's just, wow, where did this stuff come from? I, I, I couldn't believe how gripped I was to it. I don't want to go through every single film, though I'm glad to answer any questions about any of them, but that kind of gives you three very different perspectives of the types of things we have. Definitely all three of those caught my eye when I was looking through the program, and the other one that really kind of stood out for me is the George Plimpton film. Plimpton is one that I think I, I personally probably really related to, just because, you know, I'm kind of a you know, a dorky journalist who wishes he could be jaunting around the world and being a good athlete and all that kind of stuff. Just a, a really insightful look at this guy who is such a multifaceted personality and who could do so many things and, and kind of um, enjoying himself into so many different characters. That movie has is definitely up there with kind of one of the most where you'll just come out of the theater feeling really good that you got to know him better. That's that's the that's the way I felt at least. It has clips of everything from you know beyond his you know the the Detroit connection there for people that don't know is Clinton's journalistic name was really made when he spent the better part of a of a training camp and a little bit into the season being the third string quarterback for the Detroit Lions and he wrote a book that ended up being a national bestseller called Paper Lion. So that that um, paper line experience kind of provides the bookend for the movie. It kind of launches his career, and um, without giving too much away, it serves as a bookend to the film as well. I'll just leave it at that so people are, have a little bit of surprise to it. How on earth are you balancing the duties working at the Detroit Free Press and also running a film festival? There's no question. It's been a lot of work. Some of it has been more work than I probably would have expected. Like any time you take on something new, you don't you don't realize the what you don't know and what work is going to come at you. But it's far, far from only being me. We have, you know, a core group of people. And I guess I would say a core group of people of probably, depending on how you framed it, six or seven doing most of the work. We also have a lot of support staff from people within the free press, you know, pitching in and also on the business side. So in some ways, it's a hindrance to have a real, you know, the quote-unquote day job while you're doing it. But on another sense, I think if somebody were to, like, be sitting in their basement going, let's start a film festival, they would not have the benefits or the assets that the free press has in helping make, you know, hey, is there anybody that knows how to do this? Yes, that person does. Or do we have the equipment in-house to do something? Yes, we have that where somebody who was just kind of starting from scratch would not benefit from it. So for every um, downside of having to do a little bit of extra work, there's an upside where we were kind of, um, you know, I, f- I feel like we had a little bit of an escalator advantage that other people might not have. So how do you see this kind of comparing to some of the other festivals that are happening in the area? I know you're you're playing like a week before the Ann Arbor Film Festival. Obviously, something like uh, the East Lansing is a little bit out of the, the Ballywick here. Do you see this kind of operating with the other festivals that are in the area? 
feels like the slice we've carved out is pretty different from what most of the other ones is doing. One, I would say the documentary angle, but two, also we're really trying to view it as an engagement festival and a chance to push discussion forward. Just about every film we have, I think with the exception of one, we have a pretty in-depth program afterwards. You know, not just we're doing Q&As with the directors in most cases, but not just that. We're trying to say, hey, what would... What are some of the issues that spring out of this film, and um, and can we bring some people who would really have something to say in that conversation with it? So that's one element where I feel like we're pretty different. Second, we, you know, the free press, obviously, its primary mission is as a journalistic entity. So we very early on kind of identified what we definitely don't want to do is be looked at as, hey, we're the, the we're going to try to come in and Bigfoot the festival market in Detroit or Michigan. We want to continue covering other festivals um, when we can hold hands with them. We will. Um, there's one example of that where that's going on a little bit already. But, um, you know, in the past we have covered, um, you know, whether it's um, the Lenore Marwell Jewish Film Festival or we've always given quite a bit of attention to Traverse City. Um, Cinetopia is a film festival that's based out of Ann Arbor and the Michigan Theater and has been expanding in Detroit some. We're going to try to work with them a little bit as well. You mentioned Ann Arbor. You know, I think if there's anyone whose mission is really a lot different than ours, but, you know, they have such an experimental and up-and-coming up indie bent, which is absolutely great, which is, but is probably not, you know, exactly what we would want to do for, you know, a slightly more mainstream free press audience, for, for lack of a better word. You know, Cinetopia is really, from my perspective, I don't want to speak too much for them, but they have kind of a very broad, wide view of cinema and world cinema, and obviously they do a lot of drama which, you know, we're either not going to do or only dabble in a little bit. So I feel like there's a there's a fit for us, you know, where we kind of we can be a piece of the puzzle and also we're committed to not only continuing to cover those other events, but I, I really want to see us ramp up those others. I think it's almost like a responsibility if we're gonna be part of you know, if we're gonna be a film festival, we need to be part of the film festival community and one of the ways the free press can do that is um doing more coverage of those types of events than maybe we had in the past. Where can folks go to find out more information about the festival? A couple of places. You know, when we have newsy announcements, we've been putting them up on Freep.com, for instance, when we announce new films or new programs. Um, the easiest one-stop shop for everything, where it's pretty much just only film festival stuff, is our website, freefilmfestival.com. We also have been very active on Facebook, and I believe that's just facebook.com slash freefilmfestival. Twitter is Free underscore film underscore fest. So all four of those places are good clearinghouses. If you really wanted to just get, you know, the kind of festival guide information, like when it's playing, what the after program is, basic synopsis of the film, links to buy tickets, venues, maps, I would say freakfilmfestival.com is, is the best bet. There's also a lot of content on Freak as well, and there will continue to be, not as we lead into the festival's first night Thursday, but we'll also be, we won't be um, obsessively self-covering ourselves, but a few of the bigger events we are going to cover, like, for instance, the Packard premiere with the new owner, Fernando Palazuelo, on our panel. He hasn't done a lot of, I mean, he's been interviewed by the media, of course, but he hasn't done a lot of kind of public speaking engagements. I think this might be the first in-depth one. I, 
don't quote, I guess you're quoting me on that, obviously. I'm not 100% sure that that is correct. I think we'll we'll cover that, and there'll be a couple a couple other instances through the weekend where stuff will show up on free. But definitely, the social media handles should be uh, very active. I hope that this year goes very smoothly for you, no hiccups, and I look forward to talking to you again next year for the second annual Free Film Festival. <laughs>